What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me on today's episode, episode number 115. Thankful for you for downloading, listening, and enjoying. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, I appreciate you clicking on the video, liking the video, commenting down below, and, of course, subscribing to the channel if you have not done so already. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend this past weekend and have a fantastic week ahead of you with Christmas on the horizon. Yes, Christmas is in just six days. Holy smokes, it feels like it was just yesterday. We were in the middle of summer talking about Red Sox baseball. But nope, Christmas is six days away, and I am so excited. We have so much going on here at the shop to help celebrate Christmas and to help people get ready for Christmas. Last-minute gifts, maybe they just need first-minute gifts. Who knows? I, I Whatever, right? But before we dive into today's topics, which obviously are going to consist of football, we're going to talk about the games from yesterday on Sunday, break down some of those scores and react to those finals. And of course, we're going to talk about the Patriots-Colts game on Saturday night, where the Patriots fell to the Colts 27-17. to I have a lot to talk about in regards to that game, good things and bad things, but before we get into anything... There has been something on my chest that I need to just talk about, right? And I recorded a video about this, and it's actually going to be releasing on YouTube tomorrow. And it's a discussion that I need to have in regards to sports card shops, hobby shops, and the bad stigma that they currently have by the general audience. Now, you may not have this bad perception, but someone else may have it. And I wanted to address it on multiple different levels so I made a discussion video talking about it and like I said it's releasing tomorrow on Tuesday the 21st but since I have this platform Murph's Boston Sports Talk and here and there I'll talk about the card shop and sports cards and a little bit of this and a little bit of that from time to time outside of the Boston sports topics I figured it would be a great opportunity for me to plug that discussion into the beginning of this episode Now, if you don't want to listen to the hobby shop discussion, which is fine, just fast forward about 20 minutes into this episode. But I really think it's something worth listening to because the discussion that's needed to be had about it is definitely something worth having because of the bad stigma that sports card hobby shops have right now in 2021 exiting just before 2022. So sit back, relax, please enjoy this and any comments you have. Any comments you have, whether you're listening to this on YouTube or on audio-only platforms, please reach out to me. I want to know your thoughts and opinions about this. Whether I'm right or I'm wrong and you have different or the same opinion, I need to hear about it. I need to know if I am in the minority of this or if I have people backing me. So let me know in the comment section below if you're listening to this on YouTube Or if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town. So without further ado, let's just get into it, and I really hope you enjoyed the discussion. I will catch you guys on the flip side. What's going on, everybody? Murph here, and as you could tell by the intro, I got a bone to pick with some trolls in the sports card community. And I hate to see comments like this, but I see them all the time in Facebook groups, especially card shows even. 
and sometimes people that even walk into my shop. So I figured I would make a video about it to address it. Now, owning a business period is not easy. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Some I can control, some that I cannot. And honestly, the supply chain of sports product, sealed sports product, AKA wax, is something I cannot control. I can always try to place an order and try to buy as much stuff as I can, but it's not guaranteed that I'm going to get it. And I can't speak for other card shops, but I'm sure they're going through a similar emotional challenge, but I'm not gonna speak for them. But I know when I started Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, I had a collection of two years worth of wax that I was able to salvage from Walmart, Target, uh, maybe people on Facebook, just to have something in stock for when I did turn on the lights and open the door for the first time, I had some wax to offer people. Now I've been up and running for about four months now and I can already tell you that my wax and sports product inventory has completely changed since when I first opened up. Having a distributor is awesome. Having people that are looking out for me are awesome. Trading is fantastic and obviously buying stuff at a good price are all things that I take into consideration and that I look for when I buy product. I always look for product on a good deal. Now to see people, and I'm gonna look over here because this is where I have all those quotes that you saw. A lot of hobby shops near me have been doing this for years in Massachusetts. It's a giant scam, but yet in one day they'll all be sold out in regards to packs. Well, um, where am I supposed to get these individual packs besides fat packs? Where am I supposed to get these packs from? I mean, every card shop in the nation busts open a box and sells the packs individually. And at the end of the day, they make the prices of the packs. But more often than not, the card shop, if they sell a whole blaster box full of packs, is going to make a little bit more money than if the whole box was sold. Because it's more of a challenge to sell all of those packs than it is to just sell the box. But selling the individual packs is a much cheaper and affordable option for maybe kids that don't have a lot of money, adults getting into the hobby, adults that can't, can't afford you know the multi-hundred dollar boxes. So it's a good tool and a good little commodity to have for these people that can't afford the bigger product. So what is wrong with busting open a pack? And then here's the next one, do the packs come pre-weighed? Well, no, <laughs> no. Can you weigh packs? Yes. Do I weigh packs? No. Do other sports? I, I can't speak for other sports card shops. But as plenty of us have ripped Absolute, Donruss, we all know there's that little Super Bowl card in the very back of the pack to help balance out the weight of each pack. Beforehand, maybe 10 years ago, you could weigh out the packs where whichever pack was heavier is going to more, more often than not have a holographic card, a foil card, an optic, insert, something of that like. Now I know with Yu-Gi-Oh! and TCG, you used to be able to do this very easily where you'd put two packs on a scale and whichever one was heavier, that had the secret rare, the ultra rare, the ultimate rare, whatever rare in that pack because the foiling weighs very so slightly heavier than just a pack full of paper commons. That's just a fact. That's why these manufacturers Panini, Upper Deck, Tops, they put those blank cards in the back to help balance it out so somebody can't go put two packs on a scale and see which one's heavier because the chances are they're most likely going to weigh the same 
Or maybe the heavier one might be the one, the pack with the fake card in it. Here's another one before I get into my favorite one. Hobby manufacturers need to pull the accounts from local card shops that sell retail. That's how they used to do it. I won't support any local card shop that sells retail. I'm not going to lie to you and say that he's right because years ago or how they used to do it, I have no idea. I just started in August, so how they used to do it, I don't know. But I'll tell you how they do do it, and that is my distributor, I will leave their name out of this, is offering me boxes, cases of blaster boxes. They are, and mega boxes. It's not just retail. Yes, retail stores, Walmart, Target, stores like that have blasters. They'll have megas and fat packs. Yes. But I'm also being offered that as well. So are you blaming me for buying product from my distributor and selling it? But just because it's labeled as retail, you're not going to shop at my shop? Now, I'm not going to say for people to shop in my shop or not. But I do want you to take in consideration that it's not easy to find wax. You and I both know it. We could scalp on Facebook, eBay, we could go to this store and that store, compare, contrast, whatever you wanna do. But we both know that finding wax at a good price is very difficult, myself included, and I am a shop, I am a brick and mortar business. It is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So whenever I can get product for what I think is a good deal and make a decent margin on it, because I do have rent to pay, I have the electric bill, I have gas, I have water, I have to pay overhead, I have to do all this. So yeah, I look for margins and I look for boxes of wax at a good price where I can resell it for a good margin. I'm not reselling just to be a reseller. I'm reselling wax because I want people to have wax at an affordable price at a location that they feel comfortable buying it, ripping it, and just having a good time about it. Here's another one. Oh, where'd it go? The fact that a hobby shop hardly sells hobby anymore says it. They should be called resale stores at this point. You can't even find hobby boxes at half the shops around here anymore. Now, like I said, I won't speak for other card shops in the area, but I will speak for Murph's Card Town Sports Shop. When I first opened, my startup took up a lot of my capital doing this, painting the walls, doing that, getting the cases in here, getting furniture, getting this setup and that setup. It just took a lot of my startup capital. And like I said, I had around two years worth of wax saved up for my shelves immediately. Yeah, I used some of my money to buy other product as well, but I would rather, when starting up, and four months or so in, you're still starting up, I would much rather buy 10 boxes of X for the same price as one box of Y. Like, I know my population of people in just four months. Now, new people will come in all the time, but for the people that come into my shop that are regulars or are consistent customers, they'll walk in and I already have a feeling of what they might want, what they like, what they can afford, what they can't. So why would I stock my shelves with thousands and hundreds of dollars worth of hobby boxes when I know they can't afford it. Yes, some people can afford it, and I'm not going to judge who or who can afford a box. That is your own financial situation, and whatever your financial situation is, that's your business, not mine. But for my population of people, I have a general idea 
of what they want. Some people like the expensive stuff. Some people like the cheaper stuff. I'm going to give my people and offer my customers the boxes that I think are best suited for them. If that happens to be blasters and megas, then so be it. There's no point in stocking my shelves of hobby boxes if 95% of my population can't afford it. I'm never going to move wax. Now, yes, some people can afford the $1,000 boxes. But more often than not, they can't. Little Timmy, who just got birthday money and was doing so good with his chores, just got allowance money, and he saved up $50 to buy cards. He's not going to be able to afford that National Treasures hobby box. He's not going to be able to afford the flawless briefcase. But he can afford a blaster box and try to go for his favorite player and hunt for Mac Jones or you know Justin Fields, whoever it may be. He can do that. So why should I pull that opportunity away from little Timmy just to stock my shelves with hobby boxes because I'm a hobby store and I should be selling hobbies? I don't think anyone should be telling me how I should operate my business. Will I take advice from people? Absolutely. Will I take their opinions into consideration? Of course. I want to make Murph's Cartown Sports Shop the ideal place for people to walk in, feel comfortable, feel invited, buy wax, rip wax, buy, sell, and trade cards with other people in the community. I don't want them to feel pressure to not buy something, not talk to me, not ask me any questions, or just buy something and leave. When people buy boxes, I always want them to rip it in shop. I want to share that moment and that experience with you. If you pull this awesome card, I've seen crazy pulls. I've seen downtowns. I've seen kabooms. I've seen RPAs. I've seen this and that. Everything you can think of, I've seen. And sharing that moment in shop is beyond better than anything I can think of right now. Now, yeah, you could probably go on eBay and find that same box for maybe $5 cheaper on eBay. And then you'll get it in the mail seven days, up to 10 days, a week, depending, whatever. You have to pay a processing fee, a shipping fee, taxes you can't avoid. Plus, you have no idea where that box is actually coming from. Just because you save $5 on a Donruss football box, but you have to wait a week for it to come in from California, you have to pay a processing and a shipping fee. And like I said, taxes you can't avoid. Then you get in, you open on your dining room table, and you pull this crazy cool Patrick Mahomes, Mac Jones downtown on your dining room table. Who are you going to share that moment with? At least here at the shop... I know where my prices are. Some are cheaper, some are more expensive than any other place. But boxes of wax and individual cards themselves change constantly. Constantly. You can go on eBay and check the comps. There's probably 10 sales just today alone. There'll be 10 sales tomorrow where it's 20% lower than what it was yesterday and it's going to be 30% higher than it was today. And it's going to do that every single day. But then, at the end of the day, I do have to cover rent, I have to cover electric, gas, water, all this and all that, plus I need to restock with inventory. So ask yourself this. Ask yourself this question. If you were running a shop, what kind of atmosphere would you want to give your customers and your population of people? A fun, inviting atmosphere? Or a place that's kind of dull and boring? I think I run a fun, exciting, personal, charismatic card shop. Very knowledgeable. I like to think that I'm very personal. I'm approachable. You can ask me, you can talk to me about anything sports related. And then there's some people that are the complete opposite of me. 
And if you think that that card shop or eBay has the box for $5 less, so be it. I will not be upset. I will not be hurt. But what does hurt and what does upset me is the fact that people don't understand what goes into running a card shop. They'll see a box for $5 cheaper on eBay and they'll immediately buy it just because they got a good deal on it. And $5 cheaper, yeah, sure, that's a good deal. But like I said, you have no idea where that box is coming from. You have no idea what the true condition of the box is. You're going to be waiting a week plus. What if it gets lost in the mail? What if you get sent a box of rocks? At least here at the shop, any card shop, really, you can ask the, the guy, hey, can I check that box out, please? Oh, can you take that card out of the case? I just want to check the corners. You can look at the card. You can read the box in hand, in person, get to look at it, inspect it, read the box's literature, do whatever you want to bring yourself to a conclusion whether or not to buy the box or the card. And then you get to take that product home that day. You get to rip that box that second instead of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the card comes in and the corner is busted because you couldn't see it on the pictures or there's a scratch right down the middle and you couldn't see it on the pictures or the box is half broken into, it's vacuum wrapped, the original wrapper is ripped off, the packs are weighed out. You have no idea where it's coming from on eBay or anywhere online really. But here in shop, any shop, you get to look at it in person, feel it, inspect it, and you get it that day. No shipping fee, no processing fee, no wait time. Taxes, like I said, you can't avoid. And sometimes you may have to pay an extra $5. But with shipping and processing alone, it's going to be more than $5. So my favorite part is this comment on Facebook. I respect card shops, but the card shops I don't respect are the ones that open during or after COVID because they're out here to, to scam 100%. That's not true at all. Some, maybe, like I said, I can't speak for other card shops and I will not speak for them. I will speak for me. It has been my dream since middle school to work in some facet of sports, whether it was sport management, sport business, being a coach, sports cards, sports, sports, sports was what I loved to do growing up. And that's what I've always wanted to do. I love sports cards from when I could remember when I was like five, six years old. I was into them all the way through middle school. I phased out a little bit in high school, still phased out of it a little bit in college. But when I was in my master's and something just clicked in me like, huh, I could really do this. Like this is really awesome. When I really got back into it, probably what, June of 2019 before COVID. So am I really out here to 100% scam people? No. Will deals go in my favor? Yes. Will deals go in the other person's favor and I get screwed? Yeah, that just happens all the time. People are going to get the benefit of the doubt in a deal. Some people are going to get, you know, the wrong end of the deal. Some things you just can't control. I'll make a trade with you for, you know, this Patrick Mahomes rookie card. And one day he'll go out and throw seven touchdowns and I won the deal. But the next week is going to tear his ACL and now I lost the deal because his cards are going to plummet. Some things you just can't control. So what I responded to that guy is I said, not true about my shop. I may have opened in August, but this has been a dream of mine for about six or seven years. Like I said, I've always wanted to work in sports. I was a sport management major my first two years in undergrad and I switched to psychology after my dad passed away. I wanted to be more personable and be able to help people on a more one-to-one -one basis rather than just be stuck in sports. 
I was in a vulnerable spot in my life and I really feel like I was, felt like I was making the right choice at that time. I wish I did stick out with sport management because, hey, I'm running a card shop, a sports card shop, and it's all sport management, sport business. So am I out here to scam people too? No, no. I can't control what happens after a purchase or a trade is done. If the card price plummets and you're on the wrong end of it, that's not my fault. Nor is that really your fault either. The card market is something none of us can control. Really only the players can control based off of their performance. Now I guess it is up to us for us to not overpay or not underpay for items or not undersell items I should say. This guy responded fair. I respect it. But if you're selling 2021 Absolute and Donruss Blasters for $50 plus, you're a fraud. Sorry. Um, that's just the market for them. That's just what people, not just me, other card shops, vendors at card shows, people on Facebook and eBay are charging, as you were able to see in the intro of this video. That's just what the market is, and that's just for two products. That's something I can't control. I love to have my prices as competitive as possible. I love to give people the fairest deal that I possibly can. Sometimes I have to be right where market is. Sometimes I'm above market. Sometimes I'm below market. It's just the name of the game. Product changes, product prices change constantly. Individual cards, raw cards, graded cards, they change constantly. It's hard to keep up sometimes and I like to price check and comp my cards bi-weekly or so, I try to do it on Tuesday or Wednesday. But the day after I comp something out for say $50 and the next day it's selling for 30, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. And if someone brings it to my attention, then we can negotiate. I just really think people have a bad stigma about card shops these days ever since the COVID-19 virus happened and all these card shops started to pop up. Now, like I said, Every card shop is operated differently. Every card shop has their own philosophies, viewpoint, and their own understanding of the sports card world, just like I have mine. And to see all these comments that I just talked about and that you were able to see at the beginning of this video are very painful. They're very hurtful because people really have no idea. It's bigger than just finding the best deal online. People want, you know, everything for just a couple dollars over retail. Everybody wants, oh, 20% off of comps. Everybody wants the best deal. But when it comes time for them to sell the stuff, whether it's cards or boxes, they're always charging market. Every single person. I want that for retail. I want this for retail. Oh, will you take this? Oh, will you take that? As they hunt for the best possible deal. So they win the deal. But when it comes time for that same person to sell something, they're always charging market. That's just a fact. You and I both know it. But that's going to wrap up this video. I know I kind of went on a big rant, but it's something that's been really eating at me for a couple of weeks now. And it was about time that I made a video about this. So I really hope that you can understand my perspective and my point of view about the topic. I bring you this video with nothing but respect, honesty, knowledge, and true personality as I'm not capping. I'm not faking anything. This is my true genuine personality and my true genuine feelings and emotions about the topic. But that is going to do it for this video. Please smash that thumbs up button if you like today's video. Comment down below any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you may have, and I'm assuming that people are going to have them. And I'm kind of expecting for the comment section to kind of pop off a little bit. And then also, 
if you wouldn't mind considering subscribing to the channel if you have not done so already, as I would greatly appreciate the love and support by you subscribing. But that's going to do it for this video. I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always see ya. Welcome back to today's programming. Hopefully you enjoyed that discussion. And if you did fast forward to it, then you did miss out on something. But that's okay because, I, like I said, the YouTube video will be out tomorrow where I have an animated version of what you just listened to or what you just fast forward upon. I don't know. But let's talk about what we need to talk about. And I want to briefly run through the scores across the NFL because I want to dive into the Patriots and Colts game a little bit more in-depthly and not feel rushed to talk about the Patriots and Colts just so I can get into some NFL scores. So let's talk about the NFL scores first. So as we know, the Chiefs defeated the Chargers on Thursday night, 34-28. to That final was from overtime. Patriots lost to the Colts 27-17 on Saturday, which obviously, like I mentioned, I will discuss in a little bit. Steelers beat the Titans 19-13. Very interesting game, low-scoring game, and I not like I expected a shootout, but this was a much interesting, more interesting game than I originally thought. I kind of thought the Titans would maybe stand up and be able to beat an inferior opponent kind of solidify themselves as a contender in the AFC. However, the Steelers get the win, defeat the Titans, shake things up in the conference, and now the Steelers are back into contention. The Bills beat the Panthers 31-14, which was kind of expected. The Texans beat the Jaguars 30-16. Who saw this coming? Sure as hell not me. Giants lost to the Cowboys 21-6 as expected. The Cardinals lost to the Detroit Lions in the Motor City 30-12. No one saw this coming. I think it was like 15-0 at halftime maybe. But the Cardinals only walking away with 12 points in Detroit against the Lions. That is very tough pill to swallow, especially losing last week to the Rams. Are the Lions turning the corners for their team this year? Who knows? I doubt it. But... They've been eliminated. doesn't matter. They're playing for next year, but it's nice to see them get a couple wins here. But tough loss for the Cardinals as that loss shakes things up in the NFC side of things. Dolphins beat the Jets 31-24. Big win for Miami. Bengals beat the Broncos 15-10 in Denver. 49ers beat the Falcons 31-13. Packers beat the Ravens 31-30 in an absolute thrilling game with no Lamar Jackson. A great win by the Packers in Baltimore, even though the Ravens did not have Lamar Jackson. Saints beat the Buccaneers 9 to nothing. That is probably the most eye-popping score across the league. Saints scored 9 points, and the Buccaneers scored 0. Now listen, I predicted the Bucs to win, and if the Saints win, so be it. Sometimes that just happens. But to hold the Buccaneers to not a single point? Absolutely absurd. So great win by the Saints as they vault themselves back into NFC contention for a wild card spot. Things really, it was a big week across the NFL for a lot of teams. And holy smokes, we got some interesting games. We got some interesting finals. And now the AFC and the NFC picture has shaken up. And yes, we do have the Washington football team playing against the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow on Tuesday. And we also have the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams playing as well tomorrow on Tuesday at 7 p.m. But that's going to do it for the wrap around the league. Let's dive into the Patriots and Coles, which is probably what you've been waiting for this entire time. And to be honest, it was ultimately, oh, I don't want to say it was a good game because it wasn't. 
they lost. They were shut out through the first three quarters. They committed so many penalties. All things considered, though, there are some good takeaways from this game. With the exception of a blocked punt that returned for a touchdown, that was returned for a touchdown, and the Patriots giving up that big run to Jonathan Taylor in the fourth quarter. Take those two off because those are just one-off plays. The defense played very well, I think. So 27 minus 14, they only allowed 13 points. Then, if you look at one of those field goals, Brandon King was offside because the initial kick was shanked. Then, obviously, with King offsides at the line of scrimmage, they moved it in five yards, and he hits the field goal. So all things considered for the defense, they only gave up 10 points. Like I said, that big play to Jonathan Taylor in the fourth quarter after the Patriots cut it to three is a one-off, and then obviously the block punt return for a touchdown is a one-off. At the end of the day, the defense played very well. They bent a lot. I would say that. They weren't perfect. They bent a lot, but they didn't break a lot. That's the big thing. When the defense needed to get stops, ultimately they did. Now, there were times and times again where it would be third and four, third and three, even fourth and one, where Carson Wentz just kept quarterback sneaking it. Yeah, I'll admit, they didn't get the stops there. They didn't play perfect. But neither did the offense. The offense was atrocious all night, except until the fourth quarter. If you take that fourth quarter and you play like that the entirety of the game, you're going to put up 35 points and you're going to win. The offense was just abysmal. The running game could get, couldn't get going. But in all due respect with the running game, when you're down 14 nothing, you're not really going to be handing the ball off trying to establish a little bit of tempo. So many penalties were called for holding, false starts. It's just like you guys are shooting yourself in the foot. In the foot. You got a holding penalty, then you got a false start. Now it's second and 25. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I did like Mac Jones' ability to bounce back in this game after having a poor, poor first half. You know, puts up no points. Wasn't really sniffing the end zone at all, except that one play where he throws the pick. And I know he walked away with two interceptions, but the fourth quarter ability by Mac Jones to be able to march down the field and put up points when needed was very promising. At the end of the day, the offense did lose us this game. Even though the defense gave up 27 points, but we already did the math on that. A block punt, a one-off run, which, yes, goes against the defense. It does go against the defense. McCordy and Hightower blew that play. But still, when it comes in terms of the Colts driving the ball down the field, which more often than not, teams are going to be driving the football down the field than have one-off touchdowns. Defense played very well, I think. Could they have been better? Yes. But the offense, they didn't play well at all, and they needed to be better. They were great in the fourth quarter, don't get me wrong. And Mac Jones, at the end of the day, as great as he's been playing, is still a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He's been in a few big games in his young career. If you want to date back to Alabama and the championship game, if you want to date back to maybe the Buccaneers and Patriots game in week four, the Cowboys game, sure, let's count that. The Bills game on Monday night, but he didn't do anything. To be able to walk away with 26 or 45, 299 yards, two touchdowns and two picks, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. If you had a veteran quarterback, a middle-of-the-pack veteran quarterback, what would your offensive look like? I don't know. I don't know. 
I do wish the offense was able to capitalize a little bit better in the first half. I really do wish they were able to capitalize better in the first half because they left so much on the board. Like I said, they marched down the field and Mac Jones threw the pick. The penalties just killed them, and they had to go for fourth downs, and they didn't get it. But one thing that's really interesting to me is this. If Brandon King wasn't offside, those three points come off the board. And if you didn't give up that long touchdown to Jonathan Taylor in the fourth quarter, that's seven points off the board. Add those two up, that's 10 points off the board. Now it's 17 to, seven, uh, 17 to 17. And I guess the Colts would technically still have the ball because Taylor wouldn't get the touchdown. But it's like you, you do the math and you look at the game for all these like little itty-bitty mistakes. I guess they're big mistakes if you think about it. But all these mistakes that the Patriots made, you pluck those out. And you're in a position to win this game. You are. You take a couple of plays away, and you're in position to win the game. Now, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can't just take away the bad plays. But like I mentioned, these one-off plays, that Jonathan Taylor 60-70 yard touchdown, that's a one-off. A blocked punt for a touchdown, that's a one-off. It's like, huh. You could have, as poorly as you played in the majority of this game, you could have still won this game. You absolutely could have won this game. Now, with the Patriots losing this game, we have to look forward. Now, was this a good reality check for the Patriots by losing? Absolutely. Obviously, I wanted the Patriots to win, extend the winning streak, you know, keep the number one seed in the AFC, put the Colts down to 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah, I would have loved all of that. But now the Patriots know with this loss, which they haven't endured since week six. <laughs> I had to do the math because they were 2-4. and four. Ever since then, the Patriots have won. They were on a seven-game winning streak until, uh, until Saturday. They were just cruising. They beat the Jets. They beat the Bills. They beat the shorthanded Titans, the shorthanded Browns. The Falcons, the Panthers. I don't know if I covered everybody, but whatever. Suffering this loss shows them that they can't just wake up, roll out of bed, and go win a game. They have to work for it. I don't think anybody expected the New England Patriots entering that game, or I should say entering that week because the Chiefs won on Thursday, so by technicality they had the number one seed. But entering week 15, no one expected the Patriots to be the number one seed. And they can still walk away with the number one seed, albeit it's going to be very tough because the Chiefs look like they're a legit team now. But the people expected the Patriots to be in the playoffs in some capacity, mainly as a wildcard team. But now they're in position to have the division, to win the division and get in as a top four team and have a home field game in the first round. They are in position. But with this loss, it shows us that they need to work hard for what they want. If they want to go out and play their best and win against the best, then they have to go do it. Because you look at that Titans game. They were injured. No Brown, no Julio, no Derrick Henry. You look at the Browns game. They were injured. No Chubb, no Hunt, no OBJ. You look at the Falcons game. No Calvin Ridley. 
You look at the Panthers game. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey was out there, but he was coming off an injury. And how good was he really? He was good that game, but I don't think he was 100%. They've played against teams that have not been 100%. And if you want to look at the Bills game, that team was healthy. But look at the circumstances and the condition of that game. You put that game in a dome, and do you win that game? I don't know. I don't know. If that game was a neutral site, no weather, no nothing, are you winning that game against the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago? I don't know. So you had the weather conditions. They weren't favoring you, but you had the weather conditions play a factor, and you were able to come out with the win. But now here you are in a dome against the Indianapolis Colts on the road where they have home field advantage, no weather conditions playing a role, no injuries that are plaguing the Colts right now, and you go out and lose. So I propose the question to you. Were the Patriots on that seven-game winning streak because they ran into teams that had injury issues, that had some variables take place, or did they actually beat those teams because they were the better team that day? Now, I would like to think it's the latter, that they were the better team that day, but you can't ignore the fact that the Bills game was in a hurricane tsunami tornado at that time. The Falcons didn't have Calvin Ridley. The Panthers had less than 100% uh, Christian McCaffrey. The Browns didn't have their two running backs in OBJ. The Titans didn't have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. So how legitimate are these wins? You can look back to the Chargers win and say, yeah, that team was healthy and they were able to beat them. Okay, I'll give you that. But ultimately, most of your wins through that seven-game winning streak were not against 100% healthy teams or you were playing in a severe weather game. But when you go to an indoor stadium against a healthy team, a team that is supposed to be you know, inferior to you, you lose. So are the Patriots fraudulent? Are they pretenders? Now, I still think they can win the division. This game against Buffalo next week is going to be absolutely crucial. It will determine the AFC. I guarantee it. It will determine, I'm sorry, the AFC East. It will determine the AFC East. If the Patriots win, they will win the division. If the Bills win, it's going to be a toss-up. In the grand scheme of things, that seven-game winning streak for the Patriots, was it just a giant joke? Now, I don't want to think it was. Now, I do have to accept and realize, and I think you should too, that the first game was against the Jets 54-13. whoop de doo Second game against the Chargers, I'll give them that. It was a good win. Panthers, uh, less than 100% Christian McCaffrey. 45-7 to against the Browns. Like I already mentioned, they were missing three guys. Falcons didn't have Calvin Ridley. Patriots beat the Titans 36-13. to But they, had, they didn't have their top three skill players. They beat the Bills 14-10 to in a tornado. And they just lost to the Colts 27-17. So they have the Bills coming up on Sunday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. Then they got the Jaguars on the on January 2nd. Then they got the Dolphins on January 9th. They have three games left. Three games left. 
They need to win this Buffalo Bills game. They should. They should win that Jaguars game. And that Dolphins game, I don't know. The Dolphins are one of the hottest teams on the planet right now. On the planet. But then again, so aren't the Chiefs. And so aren't you. So, looking at the last three games of the season where you're playing against two of them against the Bills and the Dolphins, it's really going to come down to if you can beat those teams. You're in a great spot being 9-5. and five. I love where we're at. My over-under for the Patriots, I believe, was 10.5 wins. I think I predicted them to have 10, maybe 11. I forget the number. And we're on pace. 11 would be win two of the next three games. Depending on which two you win, depends if you get the, the division or not. I think if even if you lose against the Bills on Monday and you win the next two games, I think you're still good to go based off of tiebreakers. But wow, that loss really kind of shakes things up in the AFC, AFC East, and just the outlook in general for the New England Patriots. And not to get off topic, not to get off topic, but I do have some breaking news. And that is the Boston Celtics have signed C.J. Miles to a, I believe, a 10-day contract. Yes, C.J. Miles, who hasn't played in the league in a couple seasons, last with the Washington Wizards. I believe he last played in 2019-2020. And this is coming out of clear desperation that the Celtics need bodies right now. They need bodies because a lot of them are in the health and safety protocols due to the COVID-19 virus. They need help, and they don't want to just keep calling up and signing these random young guys, so they signed a random C.J. Miles guy. But, I mean, hey, he's a, a pretty solid shooter. He's versatile. I mean, he hasn't played in a couple of years, so what is he really going to offer you? And all I can think about is the fact that you signed C.J. Miles, but if you did this a week ago, you could have had Isaiah Thomas. Now, who would I rather want, Isaiah Thomas or C.J. Miles? Isaiah Thomas, because... Resigning Isaiah Thomas would have brought the fans back to you because right now, I speak for myself and a bunch of other people, it's very difficult to watch the NBA because you just dribble, shoot a three, you dribble, go to the hoop, get fouled, shoot free throws, and there's no defense. And a lot, it really it draws the casual fan away from the game. Yes, I've heard that the NBA has been a better product this year, and from the few games that I have watched, that is relatively true. But it's like, why should I buy into it when I know that at the end of the day, probably the Warriors or the Suns are going to be in the finals, and then probably the Bucks or the Nets will be in the finals representing the Eastern Conference. At least with hockey, yeah, you could have the number one seed, but that doesn't mean you're going to get to the Stanley Cup. And like I've mentioned, home field, I should say, Home ice doesn't matter in hockey. Home court matters tremendously in basketball. Baseball, ultimately, you don't really know. I mean, the Rays lost to the Red Sox in the first round, I guess, in the wild card round. They had the Astros. They were up 2-1 to one on the Astros in the ALCS. And then the Braves beat the Astros in the World Series. So does home field really matter in baseball? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But it's just, I don't know. Basketball is very, very tough to watch. It's very, people complain and whine about fouls and not getting calls and this and that. So Celtics sign C.J. Miles to a 10-day contract. We'll see what he's able to do since he hasn't played in about two years. But Celtics are in desperate need of body. Soon they're going to be signing me, and then they're going to be signing you soon after. So, hey, 
make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready to go play at the Garden because the Celtics are signing just about anybody right now. Anybody but Isaiah Thomas for some reason. But let's get back to the Patriots. Let's get back to the Patriots. I will talk more about the Patriots-Bills matchup on Sunday. Their Sunday matchup on Friday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, episode number 116. Even though it's on Christmas Eve, I'm still bringing you an episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I will still do it. So we're going to talk about that game immensely in depth on Christmas Eve. We'll have some Christmas celebration, of course, as we'll be recording the day before the actual Christmas Day. But yeah, this game is a tough one to swallow. This, this, this L is really tough to hold high, but it's something that we have to do. We have to hold the Patriots accountable. And their post-game pressers, they were like, oh, we're going to watch the film. We know we made mistakes. we got to cut back on the mistakes. We know we're going to have to be ready for the Bills, da-da-da-da-da, all good things. I do think this loss is good in terms of a reality check. I really do believe that. Because if the Patriots, let's just say the Patriots were able to win out the rest of the season, right? Say they were able to win the next, you know, the Colts game and then the next three games. They roll into the playoffs as the number one seed. Their ego is going would have been so massive that whoever came into Foxborough for that divisional game, they would think they would just roll over. And then that would be a serious trap game for the Patriots because they would have a bye week, and then they would be facing whoever won in the divisional round. But with the Patriots losing, and the veterans know this, the veterans on that team, Slater, McCourty, Hightower, Judon, they all know this. You can't just wake up one day and win. You have to go out, play your ass off, and execute the game plan and beat the other team by being the better team. Patriots weren't the better team. Were they the better team in the fourth quarter? Sure, I'll give them that. They were not the better team in the first three quarters. And it's a four-quarter game that you need to be better in all four quarters, all three phases of the game. If you want to count coaching, fine, all four phases of the game. More often than not, Patriots are going to be the better coaching team, more often than not. Depending on who they play, they'll be the better offensive, defensive, and special teams team. This loss is a good reality check, a good wake-up call. That you can't just travel on the road, you can't just wake up, roll out of bed, and beat anybody. You're going to play against really good teams. You're going to play against healthy teams with superstars that are coached well, that have a great game plan. How do you react? And the Patriots, they dug themselves a 14-point hole early in the game. I think if this game was played again, say in the playoffs, I think it would be a much different game because the Patriots will know what to expect, how to slow the Colts down, especially Jonathan Taylor. But hey, we cannot get ahead of ourselves. Let's focus on this Bills game, put this loss behind us, forget about it, and move forward. Let this loss be a lesson, though. Because these next three weeks are going to be the most critical weeks of the season. Everything that's already happened, the 2-4 and four start, the 7-game winning streak, the loss to Indianapolis has already happened. Nothing you can do to change it. Nothing you can do to alter it. But these next three weeks, if you want to get into the playoffs, if you want to win the AFC East division, if you want to attempt to get a first-round bye, you need to go out and win against the Bills, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. And it's all going to start against the Buffalo Bills. This loss sucks. They could have won. They should have won. 
And maybe out of 10 times, they win six times. I don't know. But the veterans know this, that you can't wake up and win. Now the young guys and the rookies know this as well. Let this game be a lesson learned, a good teaching moment, help you be better prepared against the Bills because you're not going to be able to run against the Bills 40 times and win again and have Mac Jones only throw three times. You're not going to be able to do that again. You're going to have to go out there, pass the ball 35, 40 times. You're going to have to run the ball 20, 25 times, execute the game plan in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams through your excellent coaching. But we're going to talk more about the Bills game on Friday's episode, Christmas Eve special, episode number 116 on Friday. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio-only platforms. Thank you so much for clicking on this video if you're listening to this on YouTube. I would really appreciate it if you chucked up a thumbs up on this video by liking, commenting down below, any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about, whether it was football, Patriots, or even the hobby shop discussion that we had at the beginning of the episode. All of that in the comment section would be much, much appreciated. And please smash that giant red subscribe button if you are new or haven't considered subscribing to the channel. Subscriptions are free. It doesn't cost you anything, but it means the world to me. So that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic week. Make sure you get your Christmas shopping done if you celebrate Christmas. And I will catch you in the next episode. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you.